So thank you for joining me for another episode of Bookie. And today is the highly anticipated conclusion to the Dollars series by Pepper Winters. And when I say highly anticipated, what I mean by that is I am so glad that I am finished with this book that I could go out in the middle of the street and scream until I lose my voice. Hang tight so we can find out what Pepper Winters ultimately did with this story. Millions could not have been a more arduous read. The story is desperately trying to end, either in my mind or the author's mind. However, this last installment just, it was like, well, let's get to it. So where we left off in the previous book was that Elder had been, let's say, shut from the yacht. I am not trying to rhyme, guys, but maybe I am. No. Anyway, he got shot on the yacht and landed in the ocean. And for all of us who understand plot, Elder was not going to die, was he? No, he was not. Um, And the French man had taken, what's the girl's name? I can't even remember her name. That's how glad I'm, I'm so glad to be finished with this. Pim, Pim, He's, he took Pim. He mistakenly thought that he was rescuing her, but obviously only had um, a false impression of what he was doing. So he takes her back to his home, the home that he lives in with his wife. And his wife's name is Tess. Now, I alluded to there being a spinoff of these characters. There's the Jethro character, which you will remember back in a couple other books where, you know, when they did the deed in his house um, during the masquerade ball or the masked ball. So, um, Jethro is a spinoff character and Tess is as well. And the reason I'm bringing all of that up is because I almost got sucked down a rabbit hole with Tess. I started to read a book that's also by Pepper Winters that's called Tess's Tears. And let's just say that I rescued myself. I clawed myself out of the rabbit hole before it had an opportunity to suck me into the vortex. Basically, Tess's story goes a little something like this. She was captured and put on the QMB as well. Except Tess is the Mary Sue of the QMB world because where all the other women got completely just broken physically, emotionally, sexually, she was able to somehow fight these people back and do it successfully. And by fight back, I mean punch people that, you know, just physically overpower these guys. Like, seriously. Anyway, so she had a very Mary Sue-esque 
ending to her story, middle and beginning, because of the little that I read, she was able to kind of go through that system and that process. And yes, she was, you know, tied up like an animal and all that kind of stuff, but she was like the Katniss Everdeen of the QMB girls. You know, she was like, you know, we we are going to do this. We are not about to be, you know, they were, but she wasn't. So she ended up being sent to either the wrong person, like somehow or or other, she was sent to Q or Mercer. I can't remember which one. Either way, they're both French. And this guy is the one that is trying to, quote, rescue Pim now. So anyway, she got sent to him. And I'm talking about Tess. And in the course of her being there, she thought that she was going to have to fight for her life. So when she was there, she didn't trust anyone. She was always trying to think of a way to escape. She was defiant. She was everything that you would assume that somebody would be in that situation. But unlike Alric and Pim, that environment was nothing like a prison. Doors were not locked. She had her own living quarters. She got hot, good, good, hot French food. A wardrobe full of clothes, soap, water, you know, just she was treated like a human being. And I think what happened was she was either mistakenly sent to him or something to that degree. And basically she was not supposed to go to this guy, Q or Mercer. I think it's Q. And he ended up being a very cold, very refined, very, you know, sleek French guy. And but she was able to win him over. Now, I stopped reading after several chapters because, again, I rescued myself from that hell. But this is the home she's going to just to set the stage. And, you know, one thing I did not like about this book amongst many was the fact that it see, they tried, you know, <laughs> Pim tried, Pim Pepper Winters attempted to make us give a hell about Tess. Like, seriously, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I didn't give a damn about Tess Q, the baby. I mean, she even had a baby, like an arm baby, like a baby that's like, you know, nine months old, who, you know, can't walk, but can do all the fun things that a baby does at that age, right? And we're looking at them, and it's like, so what? I mean, mm, I mean, she threw the... <laughs> she threw the baby in there and it was like mm, okay and the maid they would speak in French sometimes and it was like mm, okay you know and Pepper not Pepper but Pim she attempted to you know when she first got there she was upset she was pissed because she knew that they had it wrong and at first they were not listening to her they were like girl it's okay you just you just been conditioned, you've been institutionalized, you'll grow out of it, but let us help you to learn how to be human again, because you still love your master, you can't be loving him, and they, you know, she was like resistant to that the entire way, because she knew better, so she was eventually able to win Tess over, because Tess was on the Q&B too, she was the she was the Hunger Games version of the damn Q&B somehow. So her experience was a little different because like she was winning all her battles or something. But, you know, 
Pim still identified with her. Pim was always seemed like she wanted somebody to identify with, which I guess you could say, okay, but you know, she, she identified with her in that type of a struggle. You know, they would see each other, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then you had like a uh, cook and they would all kind of get together and then they would have the baby and they would make, you know, souffle and with cheese and all that kind of stuff. And I'm being silly right here, but the bottom line is, I don't know, was I supposed to feel like I'm watching Little House on the Prairie right now and I'm supposed to start caring? Because I did not care about this at all. I did not, I did not care about that at all. Uh, as emotionally draining, no, psychologically draining as Pim and, and um, what's the Elder are, those side characters, I don't care enough about them to care. Like, how can I say I don't care enough? I really don't care. So a lot of the book, was dedicated to this house. None of this book, most, a lot of this book was on dry land. I think I enjoyed the book more when it was on the open sea. I guess I turned into elder or something, like yachts only or something. But a lot of this story was built around being in their home. And so... You know, she's getting she's getting fed well. She has one test over. Now Tess goes off on Q in her way to tell him, hey, listen, I know we thought we knew what we knew, but this is actually different. She is not just hungover on being a victim. She actually, that's her lover. I'm your lover. You're my lover. How would you feel if somebody came and took me from you? You know? Now, let me let me back all the way back up and talk about these two, Q and Tess. Now, I said Tess was the Katniss Everdeen of her Q&B story. But I'd be damned if she didn't go in there and still become the sex slave that she was going to be sold to become anyway. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is they have one of these... Uh, heavily kinky relationships sexual relationships to the degree that q calls her esclave that's e-s-c-l-a-v-e and for my french listeners or people who speak french that means slave the little bit i looked up he literally calls her that okay so girls your man wants you you around the house and you you just chilling and um, he calls you and he don't say babe or, you know, honey or sweetie or come here, mama. He don't say that. He says slave. Yeah, slave. And and not just like, OK, everybody gets to have their little kink, whatever, because we know what we're reading. Right. We know that we are reading something that has a darker kink to it. OK. But. He does it all in front of people. You know, now everybody has those little, maybe we have those things that we are comfortable communicating when company is around or family is around. And then we have that language we speak when it's just me and you, right? No. Slave is what he calls you in the middle of church on Sunday. You know, like at church, he's like, slave, come here. Like, come on. So, okay. I thought that that was so dumb that, 
she fought like Katniss Everdeen in order to survive her Hunger Games, but she still became a slave. But I guess that I was supposed to read that as she was empowered, um, as is a very popular buzzword right now. Um, we could just slap empower on anything and now all of a sudden you, you're strong. But I guess I was supposed to take that as, oh, she's so empowered that she chose to become a slave. Um, so that was a little, um, I did not like that. Not only did I not, I, it's not that I didn't like Tess. I didn't give it. I didn't care. I didn't not care. So anyway, he, she's a slave, right? And they have this type of kink to the degree where <laughs> they just have no chill, like zero. They will be in the room. They could be in the kitchen, you know, making scrambled eggs or something. And he'll look at her and she'll look at him. And it'll be like two wolves with a stake dangling betwixt the two. And this is how, like, their sexual attraction for each other is, like, on 10 at all times. And when they get in each other's literal space, they're ready to kill each other because they want each other so bad. So this is the home that she is in, and she does eventually win them over, and they do eventually become, you know, Q far less than her, but Tess tries to, she, she, they just become immediate girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. So Elder is back on his end of everything and he has been rescued by Celix. Celix actually is not an undercover agent. He is not the enemy. He had a good excuse as to why he was not there. I think I went over this last time, but he had an encounter with someone at the masquerade ball and he walking back. He was walking back and everything was just in chaos when he came back. So he he got he got Elder out of the water and got him back on the boat and he's all messed up because he's been shot in the shoulder and you know, he's got all these other issues and they know he he immediately upon being rescued, he knows that he has to go find Pim because obviously Pim is not there. So they go through all their changes and he ends up finding Pim at the house where she's at with Q and Tess. And he goes to this house. And um, something else I didn't like about this story and alluded to it in other stories, these people are sub not subhuman, superhuman. And they are able to withstand injury like nothing else. Now, we all know this is a fantasy fictional book, but there is still reason. And there is still, um, let's say, rules to whatever fantasy you cook up. So if it's a Harry Potter book and, you know, there are still rules to their magic, you know. So I don't know how elder was able to constantly fight and 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 fight he's on his last like imagine running a marathon one of those real long ones like 26 mile marathon imagine one of those beat one of those beat up and winning this is how his strength is constantly regurgitated or revived in this book it's like the day you can remember when you were the tiredest add somebody beating you up having a twisted um, ankle 
in a in a, sh a sh being shot in the shoulder, having a broken finger, you know, just anything you can think of. But this is after you run a 26 mile marathon. These are the levels of energy that Elder is working with throughout 85% of the book. Okay, so this is how he feels when he finds her. But his love for her is like gasoline. So I guess it fuels him. And I guess he has just dopamine and adrenaline and whatever any hormone you can think of that can help you to, that can keep you going this is what helps him to always be able to fight his way out of whatever he's in so he finds her and they are basically at the house singing kubaya okay because um she has not been treated well ever and by she i mean pim her and elder you know they still playing you know, ping pong with the whole, or we aren't, we, we are, we aren't, you know, that whole thing. So to be accepted and then she's around other females, she's feeling that, you know, camaraderie, that sisterhood and all that stuff. And Q, he, he is who he is, but he definitely has shown, or let's say vocalized, because he's not a very emotionally, let's say, unless he's ready to rip Tess's clothes off in front of everybody and literally screw her to death he don't really show that much emotion but he has definitely made it clear that he feels super bad and he wants to help so when elder gets there they are all you know figuratively around a campfire singing camp songs but elder is like okay you got me messed up you shot me you left me for dead you took my woman you are my enemy and i don't give a damn I'm about to kill you. So he, if I'm not mistaken, Elder coptered in. Because, you know, Elder is that dude. He's going to get to you via a damn helicopter. So he coptered in and he rolls up on the scene and he is all the last person to the party. And Pam wants to hurry up and tell him, hey, it's not like that. It's like this. But in her mind, she's knowing this dude is not going to listen to anything I am saying. He is about to come in here guns blazing and that is going to be that. And that's exactly what he did. When he got there, he fought, physically fought um, Q. But he fought him and he was in a really, really bad physical state. He had just, he had, he had not healed in any way from the injuries that he had incurred from being shot by Q and thrown to the sharks. So... They fight. They straight up fight. And Elder ends up literally using every last piece of energy he has and ends up passing out, whether it's through fighting or him being in a bad state is debatable. But the bottom line is he ends up being holed up at their house, as in Tess and Q. They bring him in and they put him. He's got to convalesce because it's obvious even before they started fighting that this guy was like literally dragging himself like a zombie so you know he's there he's convalescing he's sick and you know Pam she's on pins and needles and she has to make sure that 
he's okay and they have to talk her down like hey you gotta let this guy just rest quit trying to go in there and mess with him you know he sleeps for several days in a row because his body is just over she can't take it anymore so she has to go in there they let her go in there she's got to give him this sponge bath and you can imagine what happens after the sponge bath right now look everything on his body is either broken bruised scratched scraped twisted crushed okay but his penis is perfect and perfect working can't work better <laughs> so you know they do what they does and you know I don't know how many times you can keep writing a sex scene that's like the best ever but she keeps doing that and what I mean by that is I mean by pressed feels like it's the best ever and you know they do what they do she starts to feel really bad because after they get done doing it, he is like out like a light and it took everything out of him, like completely out of him for him to, um, you know, be intimate with her like that. So, um, he gets to the point where he's not completely healed, but when his sense starts to come back to him, he's like, wait a minute, I am in here posted up in my enemy's house. He took my woman. I mean, he just continues to play this back over for himself. And you know, Elder, Elder is not the type that can ever accept help from someone else, especially his enemy. So, you know, he decides that they are leaving. And Pim, knowing that Elder is not the guy to just do what she wants him to do, which is just to stay there until he's better because Tess is her BFF now. Uh, she realizes that, you know what, well, we're going to leave. We're, we're leaving. So he comes downstairs, he hobbles downstairs and everybody starts saying their goodbyes as in, we are out of here. Let's go, Pam. You know, it wasn't like a, you know, the Waltons sending each other off. It was, you know, like we out, um, yeah, whatever we're gone. So he and Pam start to make their way to the, helicopter when um elder is notified that you're not going anywhere because the chimoku are on their way mm -hmm. um either Celix or somebody from the yacht basically radioed the message over that hey stay where the hell you are because they're on their way so they came and it was time for them all to just let the hatred that they have for each other, Q and, and Elder, put that on pause so that we can get out of this alive. So they did. And Q, he had his set of men. So let, let's say Q had six men. And then Elder, he had Celix. And then during the course of them trying to get ready to fight the Chimoku, he got a couple of more men. So it was like six and six. And Q always in the mindset of, you know, violent a violent lifestyle and danger. He has all these contingency plans. So they meet up in the billiards room or what have you. And they start to plan how they're going to take the Chimoku out and all this kind of stuff. So they work in coordination and they do what they have to do to try to kill the Chimoku off. And they do pretty good until um, they put the women and the, the child into a different part of the house because they have servants, you know, so it's like, you know, Pim and Tess and the cook and the housemaid, you know, it's like 
several of them upstairs in a room where they put them and locked them in and said, you know, don't come out for anything. We don't care. Just you don't move until we come back, you know. So Chimoku starts to scale the house and somehow they get into the room and get Pim. So, you know, Elder is about to take out the leader of Chimoku when he realizes that Pim is being held up by him and he's got her around the neck and Elder drops to his knees and he is, you know, ready to put his neck out on the line because, you know, finally he can be done fighting because the one he loves is just too important for him to keep going like this if it means her not living. So she, you know, it, it turns into, like I said, remember, you have run a 26-mile marathon. You have every kind of ailment you can think of. He has got a, he's got a fever. He is delirious at times and then if a 26 mile marathon delirium fever and um you know broken broken wrist not broken wrist but a, a twisted ankle a broken finger a shot in the shoulder that just won't heal if all that wasn't enough you forgot that elder was ocd is hell right so not only is he going through all of that but neurologically he's just completely out of it but actually he's using that to keep him conscious because instead of him passing out like he should he is using his obsession with counting which guys in book two or something he literally said that his obsession had nothing to do with numbers so I don't know why I keep saying that but I think I just think it's annoying but anyway he um he uses it to count he uses counting and his obsession with numbers to keep him sentient. So he goes all through the house and he's got to count how many gurgles he hears. He has to count how many fingers he hears crack when he breaks them. He has to hear how many times he hears somebody grunt or groan or scream. How many shots rang out? One, two, three, four, five. You know, just all that counting is what keeps him alive long enough so that he can get to the point where he sees his leader with Pam. Now he's going through all of that and he's on his knees, but then, you know, at a certain point in the dialogue, it's like Pam sees the animal in his eyes and realizes that he's not giving up anything. He is about to pounce. So is that what he does? Mm -hmm. He pounces on the leader of the Chan Moku and they fight head to head, no weapons, no anything. And it turns out that um, he ends up ripping out the man's throat and snapping it like a chicken neck yeah so Pam is like I am watching this man rip his throat out snapping in two and now blood is splattering all you know over the place and all that kind of stuff so this time they are leaving because everything has happened but in order for you know Prest can never accept somebody doing something for him without him paying for it so he they um clean up the, the scene you know all the maids are out of the room so they start cleaning up cleaning up the crime scene they take all the bodies and they have them in these body bags and there are about i don't remember 21 chimoku that they killed that night so he takes 21 bodies and mercer he he tells mercer i'm gonna pay you for your delivery truck he has a delivery truck that's like a it looks like a food delivery truck and it might be but they use it that day to load all those bodies in there so they load all the bodies they airlift the truck to the yacht and he and Pam leave you know by kumbaya all that stuff so they get to the yacht and they um 
take it to a, they, they they sail out into the sea turn the sonars off all the navigation off all the lights off and stuff they drill holes in the van and roll it out to sea and it's basically going to be a paperweight for the ocean at this point so um all those bodies are in there and and and, and Q was able to get them because before they got to um before they were able to you know get up get out of Monte Carlo well they had to be able to to bypass the police chief and you know these official folks so Q was able to call ahead and said nobody is going to ask you any questions you won't have any problems you won't be getting pulled over you won't be getting flagged down you won't be getting there will be none of that you you will just be able to get out that's his his reach so you know that's how they got out of that now from there my brain was like elder's body broken and there was nothing more I wanted to read after that but I still had I still had so much story to go so I did some heavy heavy not heavy very let's say daft skimming like I skimmed I'm a professional skimmer at this point because I skimmed a lot I'm not gonna lie you guys the last about 10 15 percent I skimmed my ass off and what ended up happening with these two they got married there, there was an HEA I mean you know I guess it would have been the, the Arthur probably could live with herself if she had given us a, a unhappily ever after so they got married and it looks like they had three children two girls and a boy and it looks like they had them by surrogacy because at one point I skimmed that you know even though they were birthed to different mothers they're still mine in my heart so that told me oh she really couldn't have children so to a degree I'm kind of glad she stayed consistent with that whole oh you can't have children thing because it would make sense that she would be so damaged from all the you know from all of that violence done against her that you know he would mess up something in a major way and he did and I'm glad that she stayed consistent with that and didn't make it like she was miraculously able to carry a baby with a scarred uterus. You know, that was, that was, I'm glad she stayed consistent with that. So that is how it ended. It it pretty much ended on the note of her writing to no one and think, thanking no one for her husband and how much he loves him and how much he rescued her and saved her and was her strength and, you know, her children she loves and all that kind of stuff. So that's the end of millions guys i am completely out of gas i am over it so summing it all up what would i say about the pepper winters dollars series what is my assessment of read it or don't read it for number one if you listen to this podcast you don't have to read that because i already tortured myself but if i was just recommending this to someone who I thought was an avid reader which I'm not saying you guys aren't but someone who doesn't necessarily listen to this podcast I would say that if you can just not even start this don't <laughs> because book one and I think book one and I, I either want to say one and three or one and two made me it just gave me just enough to keep going and I almost hated it because it drug me into places that I just didn't want to go. Um, Pim and Elder are 
I was just so tired of them by the end of that. Um, this was a, was it four books in this series? Pennies, dollars, hundreds, thousands, millions. Okay, this is a five book series. It should not, it went on for too long. It went on for too long. This book should have been wrapped up if it had to be a series, maybe three. But actually, I think she could have said all this in one book to be real about it. Um, the psychological torture that th both of those went through, unfortunately, it transposed to the reader, which made it a very uncomfortable, very unsatisfying read. It really did. If that was what Pepper Winters was attempting to do, she did it well. But when I think about dark, I mean, I have read dark romance and I have read um, a couple authors who did it well. I wish I was, you know, the bookie back then because I just fell into that and it was just great and it was gripping and it was just, you know, and it was a three part series. And it wasn't like I'm just favoring that series because I just said it should have been three. But no, it was three books full of yes. And actually, I would have wanted more after three, but I'm glad she stopped because she knew to leave it alone. So, you know. I just did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. Um, there were parts of it that I enjoyed. Um, Elder Pressed Elder, he really made me, he was the character that I was drawn to. He was the character that I had connected with and wanted to see good things happen for him. And that kind of carried me from book one to book two and maybe even to book three but by the time I got to book four and five I can't even I lost sight of what I was looking for out of this story now I know the author's gonna do what they're gonna do with the story but I just I no longer gave a I just couldn't see you know after everything that they have been through and done psychologically both to each other and in past iterations of their lives the happily ever after just didn't have any effect on me. It just, there was nothing, there was nothing, there was nothing there. It was just too much, too much. It was too much. I know I keep saying that, but I'm trying to get my thoughts to stop um, saying that. Um, it was too much psychological drama. It was too much unrealistic unrealistic physical injury it it got difficult for my mind to process how a person could keep going in the descriptions that she was giving to these people I mean they were they should have been crawling around like a slug looked healthier than these people did at certain parts not certain parts for entire books I mean you know no time jumps no okay let's jump ahead a couple of months and now you're healed no it's like the entire book is you being shot up and crushed yet you're strong arming and killing people with your bare hands I don't know if I can believe that I, I, I like you elder but I don't know if I think you can rip somebody's throat out when you are ready to pass out on your own you know so your love for her you know whatever they just got it got to the point where just Pam and El, and and I just didn't care I did not care about them by the end it was just too much also felt like she shoehorned Tess and QN too much. Like 
they could have gone there and I guess that she had to introduce her spinoff or maybe this is how the spinoff came from this story. I understand that. But it really wasn't even a spinoff. This was more of a spinoff from their story because Tess, Tears of Tess, that was already established before this book was written. So because we had to have Tess and Q, you know, their story unless she did it in reverse. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is that I am so glad that I am done with it and I'm not gl glad I'm finished with it because I'm glad I've because of the sense of completion I'm glad I'm done with it because I'm exhausted and I am just completely done um so that is the Pepper Winters series um yeah that's the Pepper Winters series would I recommend it I think I already answered that um if you know a good book reviewer that you trust listen to them um and what do I mean don't you don't have to let them make your mind up for you. But reading this is torturous. There are going to be, there are going to be some good moments. But let me also say this. There was a part, there was a part in book five, and I'm sure in other books, but more um obvious in book five. You know, I love romance books. I love books. I love a good story. I hate to typecast myself, but we're talking about romance right now so let's talk about it I like for my romance to actually have some romance and I'm not saying this book didn't have romance but these two if you are looking for a romantic book to give you all those romance good warm feelings this is not the book for you this book became like an action an, an action movie. I can't even think of what what do you call it? But you know, think Mission Impossible where people are swinging from stuff and hitting and doing impossible physical feats. It became, you know, Mission Impossible at one point and for a romance enthusiast that was an that was not enjoyable to me because I really don't care about people getting killed and people getting it's not that I'm sensitive don't get it wrong there are there is a way to do it and then there's a way not to do it not just in like this way okay so yeah but that's it so moving forward and looking into the future what should we expect well a few months ago I put out a proposition JK Rowling um podcast and I asked you guys would you like for me to go be nosy and find out what it was about this transgender character that she wrote that was so bad that everybody had to come for her head and for one reason or another I didn't get any response back on anchor I'm not upset about that at all guys but I think that your actions spoke louder than your words and by that I meant I mean your um the amount of listens that I got <laughs> to that proposition, J.K. Rowling, is higher or if not as high as a lot of episodes that I have. So I am going to take that as a yes. You guys want me to go and find out. Now, this book is book five in the Corman Strike series. It's called, what is it called? Let me go find it. <sighs> I think it's, oh, it's called Troubled Blood. I am not looking forward to reading this. I wanted Lethal White to be the last Corman Strike book I read, 
But because every time I check, you guys are listening to that in equal amounts that you're listening to my reviews. So it's like, okay, maybe I should go and see what's going on. And I tortured myself for a five book series. I don't enjoy torturing myself, but I am your bookie and you are taking a gamble on these books. I am taking a gamble. There are very few stories that I am finding lately, lately in the last several years where I'm just so excited about it and it's just so good. So also the JK Rowling episode is my highest listened episode. So you guys are going to listen to that and I want you all to be able to have it and to be able to enjoy it. So hearing my pain and displeasure is enjoyable for you somehow. So I will bring that to you. <laughs> and where I'm going from JK Rowling, I don't know, but either her name or what have you is drawing you guys in. And I'm curious to see what she does with this book. What do I expect? I have no, well, I expect to not like it, A. Eh? So I guess there's nowhere to go but up. Um, And Robin and Cormoran, to me, their, their time has already passed them. So if they do get together, how am I going to feel good about it, guys, when I don't even, I was just so turned off the way they did it the last time. So we know Robin's divorced from Matt now, or she's not with him anymore. And we know Cormoran's just sitting there waiting. So let's, let's see. Let's see. And then let's see what she did with this trans character that was just so bad. And I guess I'm in for more torture. Anyway, this is your bookie. And I'm glad that you were able to enjoy and listen today. And I will talk to you on the next episode. <laughs>